Hey guys, this is Sam and Maki, two friends born in the U.S. and raised in African families pursuing wholeness, whatever that means. This is a podcast for us by us. So come take a seat at the table and let's chop it up. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Am I Whole Yet? This is your host, Sam. And unfortunately, today, my co-host couldn't join me. But fortunately, I have a friend on the podcast, a friend of the podcast, Brittany Dunkley in the building. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Brittany. Tell the Hi. tell the audience. So first of all, guys, we met on Clubhouse. So Clubhouse is useful, okay? <laughs> it's useful for something. For something, because that shit it stresses me out sometimes. The conversations on there, but I've made some pretty good connections too. Mm-hmm. So like it's really good. Yes. So Brittany is someone that I met on the podcast, and we have a lot of things in common, and the things that we're passionate about, um, and the things that we like to talk about, and we found ourselves in the same space. And really resonated with the things that we were each um, talking about in that conversation on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. So we connected and we decided to have her on the podcast just for a conversation around self-care during the pandemic. You know how much self-care is really important to us on the Am I Whole Yet podcast. So this is a conversation I'm really excited to have because Lord knows I need it right now. Me too. After this week? It's rough. (laughs) It was rough. So, Brittany, tell us about yourself, where you're from, how old are you? Tell the people, get to know them. Okay, so, hi, y'all. I'm Brittany, well, Brittany Dunkley, specifically. I'm from New York, um, the Bronx, New York. I was born and raised here. Um, I currently live in Albany right now because I work in a hospital up here. So, I'm very, like, close to what happened in the mm-hmm. pandemic and what's happening Essential around America. and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sure am. Um, I'm 23 years old, going to be 24 in July. Can't wait for that. Um, what else? Favorite colors are green, black, and lavender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you know, the little basic stuff. Yeah, what, you um, told me you're Jamaican. Your parents are Jamaican, correct? Yeah, my parents are Jamaican, both of them. So do you consider yourself a first-generation American, or how is that, like, what's their immigration story like? Okay, so my mom, she came in the 90s. My dad came in the 80s. They met in New York, Mm -hmm. so that's how it was. My dad has been in the the States longer than my mom has, so it's kind of a little different. My mom, she had my older sister in Jamaica, and she had to leave her to come to America before she had to, like, bring her with her mm-hmm. so there's that and then my mom met my dad I'm the second oldest so, of four mm-hmm. so it's kind of like uh, I don't know because it's hard to identify because it's like I'm not American enough but I'm also not Jamaican enough so it's just yeah the epitome of our so. podcast y'all <laughs> <laughs> this is why we are here <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of like that. So when I came to college, it was just hard because I met Jamaicans and they were just like, you're not really Jamaican enough. Yeah. But then I met like the black Americans. They're like, you're not really black American enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't here. know what to do. I'm here, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I here. I to be here. I'm just here. Yeah, but for me, I feel like I identify as Jamaican American, more Jamaican than anything okay. because it's like, that's my culture. Yeah. I consider Jamaica my second home. Mm-hmm. 
I love, I want a house over there. Like, that's how, like, how much I love it over there. I love that. So, that's what I want to do. And just to jump into the conversation, you mentioned that you are an essential worker, specifically in the medical field, in the healthcare field. So, mm-hmm. what the heck has that looked like for your mental health? Being so close to the virus <sighs> and seeing the fallout in the health field. Honestly, it's been quite a journey because I started working there in October. So to see like the fall of COVID and like everything being calm and then the rise again and then it's starting to fall back down again. um, It's just a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of is happening. It's just mentally daunting. We're like we're being overworked. I can say that for for a fact. We're being so overworked. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like and the different floors it also depends on like who the nurse lead is and mm-hmm. who the staffing is and the nurses and the doctors if they're not being supportive of you then you're gonna feel like you're draining yourself completely gotcha. so seeing like patients dying constantly almost every day and just <sighs> them getting not yeah not getting better or them not being able to see their family members because it had like well my grandfather he had covid mm-hmm. so for him to be in the hospital and like him not seeing us it's like it was hard cuz he started to get depressed and stuff like that so covid has been like daunting on literally everybody in aspects of patients doctors techs yeah. nurses literally everyone so have you have you experienced that like people dying by themselves because their families don't have access to you know being with them in their final moments what does that look mm-hmm. like? Like, do the does the staff kind of, like, comfort the patient? Or is it kind of just, like, another one bites the dust, you know, for lack of better terms? Like, how do you, how do people in the hospital handle that? How do the staff handle um, that? It's kind of a bit of both. Because it's, like, we try to comfort the patient as best as we can. But at the same time, it's, like, we only could do so much. Yeah. Because we're not the family members. Yeah. We can't hold their hand. We can't do this or that. We can't give them the comfort that a family member would give them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of difficult in a sense because it's like we still have to keep our distance from them. So they basically die alone in retrospect. Yeah, so it's really awful. But at the same time, sometimes we try to find loopholes yeah. to see if like family members could come in and be with their family family members, even if it's like from a distance, at least they're there in spirit. You know what I mean? Brittany, I'm it's not hard. Lie to you. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even want to complain about my issues anymore. You're witnessing me <laughs> die every day, and I'm like, you know what? I just feel so alone and like. No, that's that's respectable. That's also that's another thing too. Like, like people feeling alone. So how how did that like how did you process that like experiencing death so often? And, like, so closely, Mm -hmm. how did that, you know, impact your mental health? Um, I'm not going to hold you. Maybe it didn't. No, I'm going to be very transparent. I have clinical depression. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, with that, I'm just like, wow, this is really crazy. Like, all this that's happening, all, like, 
people dying. I'm just like, wow. And at some point, I just became numb to it mm. because it's just like, I see it every day and so frequently to the point where I'm just like, this is just normal. Yeah. This is the new normal. Mm. And I mean, I want to be a doctor. Like, I want to go to med school. I want to be a doctor. So I know that people are dying. Dying is a part of life itself. Yeah. But like, to see people dying at a rapid rate like this is insane. And it's just yeah. like, been a little daunting. It's been stressful. It's just been a lot. And it's just like, I have to go there and make sure everybody's happy and good and joyous when I know for a fact, like, maybe you're never going to get better. Yeah. Or you're going to be sick constantly. You're going to be in the hospital for a couple of days and your family member's not there to visit you when they can visit you. So it's just hard. Gotcha. That's heavy. That's a lot to process and that's a lot to carry. Um, what mm-hmm. did your life look like before October when the pandemic started um, in March from March to October what did life look like for you so I was a senior in college and we had spring break in March um, so I decided to go back home because I didn't want to be in my apartment so I went back home and then lo and behold, the pandemic happened. I did not go back to my apartment until honestly the summertime, mm-hmm. like in like almost between like almost before May ended. I did like I didn't go back to my apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I after that, I was packing my stuff. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I wanted to go to grad school. But I was just not in my head. Like I was not in the right headspace. Like I was it was the like the depth of my depression Mm -hmm. in which I was starting to get help for it so I was not in the headspace to do that I was not really capable of like just making plans and doing what I want because I I just was not in the headspace thinking about the pandemic thinking about everything thinking about moving out at a time it was hard to (laughs) think you like future you know when the present was so messed up yeah Exactly, exactly. So that happened. I was unemployed after I graduated in May with no graduation, Mm -hmm. actually, which was... Anticlimactic. Which sucked, but yeah, very anticlimactic. I just put in and I don't even get to walk. Yeah, Yeah, I don't get to walk or anything. We only had, like, our commencement on video, like, a live stream on YouTube. I was like, I'm not watching this. (laughs) It is what it is. But I got my diploma, so I'm not mad. But um, then it was just like, I was unemployed. I was very depressed. I was super, super depressed. And at the time I was also in a relationship and that made me even more depressed because it was just like, the relationship wasn't beneficial for both of us. I'm going to be real honest. Like I did it out of like, you know, when you're so lonely to the point where you want somebody to be there. It was like that. So it was really bad, but like, I was starting to go to therapy and then later on I started to see a psychiatrist to get medications and super helpful. Both of them black women, very, they really oh, did that I for me. That. Cause yeah. Cause I wanted for me, when it comes to mental health, I wanted somebody that looked like me. Mm. So I wanted them to be black women and it helped me understand it more and them explaining like, cause I was really afraid about the medication because of the black backlash of like how my parents are with mental health I and stuff. I was going to say that like, you know, yeah. like what did that conversation about medication look like in your household and how did you bring yourself to being okay with that? Because my story 
is kind of similar to yours. I'm from Congo. There's a, there's a, mm-hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't say in Congo there's a stigma against medication and mental health. It's just not a conversation. Mm-hmm. Everything is centered mm-hmm. around religion and praying. Yes. You know? So yes. we don't really even talk about it. I think I developed my own kind of like prejudice against medication, against therapy because of like, what the programming was in the societies that I was in. When I moved to the United States and I heard the conversations around it and when I went to high school in South Africa, we didn't really talk about it. Mm -hmm. I was in high school. So even to Mm -hmm. this day, I, you know, to be transparent with you, I still kind of struggle with, should I, you know, is it, is it at a point where I need the medication or is this kind of like mm. seasonal or circumstantial? You know what I mean? Yes. So how do no, you break those barriers down and like break down the like programming and kind of mm-hmm. like step out and be like, you know what? I'm going to do this for myself. Um, With that, I for first I had to like question my psychiatrist. I asked like a billion questions because I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, I, I don't know if medication will change who I am as a person because it's dealing with the brain. We're not sure how the brain works. We're not sure how the brain materializes certain things, how it takes with medication that affects the brain. We're not entirely sure about that. So when it comes to like antidepressants, I was very receptive, but she explained it since I'm a bi- like I was a bio major, like a human bio major. So she explained it to me in scientific terms. Okay. So when she explained it to me in that way, I understood it. Yeah. Like I completely understood. And I was like, okay, time to explain to my parents. Mm-hmm. My, so when I told my dad I was depressed, I was also suicidal. Mm-hmm. So I tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. I told my dad that he was not, he was angry. He, he thought I was ungrateful. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to my dad in a year. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm I sorry. haven't talked to him in a year. No, it's okay. I'm At some point, I will talk but to him again okay, and have that conversation. It's not okay. I know. I, I have a it's okay. relationship with my mom. And I think... We learn to say it's fine because I think that's what we're telling ourselves too to like yeah. cope with the pain of not communicating with a parent, but it's not okay yeah. and it's hurtful. No, yeah, it is. Like when I think about it, I'm just like, wow, I really haven't talked to him in a yeah. year, and he I used to talk to him every day. Yeah, so rough. it's a lot. When it comes to my mom, though, she was super understanding. When I told her I was I tried to kill myself, she cried, and I felt bad. But I just, like, I came to that point where I was just, like, I'm not being honest with how I feel. Because I was never, like, a, as a kid, I was was told to hold my feelings in. And, like, just suck it up. Agreed. Be, and, like, be a strong black woman. Yeah. Whatever that trope is. Because mm-hmm. that trope is ridiculous in and of itself. Absolutely. But, um, I, she was more understanding of it. At, she had to come around about the medications and stuff. And then as I started to get better, she she could see that I started to get better. Yeah. And she she came to be okay with it because I started to be more myself again. Mm. I started to be more bubbly. I started to be more who I am instead of just like, oh, I want to stay in my room or, oh, I don't want to do this or, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, she could see that I'm becoming Britney again. So you so felt she, personally that, you even felt that difference after taking the medication where you were like, okay, that was not seasonal. That was like, I needed yeah, like the chemical it was not, it, it was not seasonal. I needed the medication to balance mm-hmm. everything out again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm so happy because, for you. Yeah, no, I'm, so I'm happy definitely happy. Better, you know, mental space and I'm happy you were able to mm-hmm. have those resources because that's necessary. Yeah. 
You're needed, mm-hmm. okay? We need more of you <laughs> in the health field. Because, you know, as Brittany said earlier, she wants to be a doctor. She wants to be an OBGYN. And as mm-hmm. many of you know, the, you know, the rate of black women that die giving birth, or women that die giving birth, black women have a higher percentage of that. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes that is because of negligence um, by the healthcare professionals because they don't really validate or think that black women feel pain. I don't know what the hell that yep. mentality is. So the more I people like us are in the field, the better. Uh, Brittany wants yeah. to be an OBGYN. I aspire to be a, a psychologist, therapist, counselor. I'm yes, whatever. Mental. One of those. Mental health. Okay. Yes, mental health. Mental health. <laughs> yes. So yes, that's awesome. Um, to transition from that conversation, so you went from going through like super hardcore depression getting on medication mm-hmm. and then going into the healthcare mm-hmm. field and experiencing a new level of like yeah. testing to your mental health. How have yeah. you taken care of yourself since March, 2020? Like what has your self-care journey looked like from March, 2020 to now? What are the things that you like to do that make your soul smile? That's one of my favorite things <laughs> to say. Like, how do you take care yeah. of Brittany? Okay, so for me, in the beginning of it all, self-care was never my first priority. I would put people's priorities over my own priority, which was not the best thing at all. It wasn't good. But for me now, self-care is me painting. Mm -hmm. Self-care is me doing photography. I haven't done photography in over a year because of depression. Now I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to just take pictures of events. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to help a friend like take a picture of a volunteer event for Black History Month, and I can't wait to do it. I love that. Uh, yeah. Um, also, baking. Baking is, like, so soothing to me. Shameless plug. I'm about to start a Go business ahead. next year. Yes, so promote. <laughs> little shame- <laughs> so, a little shameless plug. I'm going to start a bakery business, so I'm going to start practicing this year, and I can't wait for that to come as well. And all of y'all that um, were posting... Blackout pictures on Blackout Tuesday. Yep. You better be supporting. Yep. I better see you in the DM. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Period. But um, also, it's just like playing guitar, oh, listening to you music. You are so creative. Okay, <laughs> relax. Yeah. I was going to be like, taking a nap? That's self-care, okay? <laughs> no, that's you. Taking a nap, going to the mall, looking looking at clothes, doing my makeup just to make me feel more beautiful of how I am. Like, I'm pretty enough, but Period. like, makeup just makes it yes. better. Enhances the beauty. Dressing up. Yeah just even taking a walk like I love to take even though it's dangerous yeah. uh I like to take night walks yeah, so yeah. it's just like it's more clearing to me like I could just like think and be with my thoughts and be calm mm. so it's those are like certain things I love like lighting even lighting a candle that makes me so happy yeah. like lighting a, a candle like a different set every day mm. that's been my type of like self-care like when I come back from work I'm just like okay time to de-stress I light a candle and that's when I start to be like self-care yeah I think the the important thing about self-care is being present too like it's like even if even Mm -hmm. when you are doing those little things like lighting a candle it's truly Mm -hmm. about enjoying the process of doing that and like enjoying the smell Mm -hmm. and like really fully 
disconnecting from all the stressors and just being in that Mm -hmm. moment of lighting that candle of enjoying that smell of being home after a long day um i think that's really important when it comes to self-care and i will say for me my journey with covid was like in the beginning (laughs) i was thriving i was like yeah let's work girl i thought i was okay okay i was like oh y'all struggling blah 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 so i was i just started my fitness journey i was working out almost Mm -hmm. like five six days a week i was eating healthy okay all right thriving genuinely thriving Mm -hmm. when august Mm -hmm. hit oh my god it just went downhill from there and i don't i don't even remember what the trigger was i think so for those of you who don't know i live in philly but i was in cincinnati prior to that i went to college in cincinnati a lot of my family and friends are in cincinnati so i go back and forth a lot because i work from home my remote my position Mm -hmm. is remote so i Mm -hmm. guess being out I feel like sometimes being back home in Cincinnati can be very triggering because I'm around Mm. a lot of like my old patterns, like a lot of my old Mm. environment. So when I moved to Philly and I got to know myself and I got more in touch with my inner self and started doing self-care and started really working on my Mm -hmm. mental health, it's great. Mm -hmm. But when I spend an extended amount of time in Cincinnati, it kind of like goes to hell. Yeah. So I was, I started the good habits in Philly. And then I went to Cincinnati because mm. I was remote and I stayed there a little bit too long. When I came mm. back, everything that I had been working on the first half of the year, it was just unraveled. So yeah. for me, that looked like binge eating. That looked like mm. there's some things I can't mention because I know family members are listening. So, <laughs> that. But let's just say I was doing a lot of unhealthy coping mechanisms to mm-hmm. survive like I was having a hard time and and obviously because I had been working on the self-care muscle in the first half of the year I still had a yeah. good base so like yes there were a lot of times where I did not feel great and I was not coping in the healthiest ways but because I'd been working on it I would still go on walks for me the walks yeah. was a great thing like spending time in nature um yeah yoga uh, mm-hmm. breathing exercises eating mm-hmm. healthy that shit will make a difference sleeping enough yes. oh my god that part taking that a part. shower every day yes listen these little things will literally make you feel so well taken care of so those are kind of the mm-hmm. things I'm doing I was doing now everything kind of hit a climax over the holiday season because girl you know how holiday seasons are yep i sure do you were family members triggered (laughs) you're it's just a lot of triggers everywhere so since Mm -hmm. then i think i've kind of been struggling um i'm finally back on the east coast because i spent almost a month and a half in cincinnati for the holiday season from like december to almost february so Mm -hmm. now that i'm back on the east coast I'm like trying to regain my footing when it comes to self-care, which is why I wanted to have this conversation because I think self-care mm-hmm. right now is so important. Like, yes, I fully agree. Absolutely. This virus has been so isolating. Like mm-hmm. it, it's important to take care of yourself or else you're going to be driving to the closest bridge. 
you know, like yep. not to make light yep. of the situation, I went through a lot of the similar things that you went through as well. So it's mm-hmm. really important to take care of ourselves and honestly to also find that within ourselves and not look mm-hmm. for it from other people. Like, exactly. for me, self-care does not include other people. Like, it doesn't include friends yeah, no, or I fully a agree. significant other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 mean, I came to realize that. I guess I can, right? No, it's at some point. It depends on the friend, though, because for my friends, like I have very close knit of friends, mm-hmm. so we I do mental health check ins. I'm yeah, that type of friend that's that like mental so health check in. You're right. You're right. Friends, mental health yeah. check in. How are you feeling? Like I'm that person, and they be like, oh, oh my god, or I just give them words of affirmations, like you're the baddest, you're the greatest, mm-hmm. you got this, and stuff like that. And it just makes them feel good because you don't know what day they've been having, so. Sometimes, yeah, it's good. And then with the significant other part, dating is hard Mm -hmm. right now, especially with COVID. Dating is hard. Relationship-wise, relationships are being tested. I can say that for a fact. Because you're just, if you live with a significant other, you're just there with them 24-7. You're starting to get to know them more. You're not just out. And if you don't live with them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even if you don't live with them, it's like the distance can make it harder. Like maybe it won't work. Maybe you see the person for who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Like all those red flags that you ignore may still be there or were always there and you just ignore them because of all the dates you went on, all the gifts that they gave you or you gave them or like all the trips you went on yes. and stuff like that. That's so important. So I get, we, we get caught up in the good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when the bad times come, where are they? Exactly. So what did your parents teach you about mental health and self-care? Not a damn thing. <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> no offense, mom no. and dad. <laughs> yeah, no offense. But it's just like my mom is very much like work, work, work. Got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Got to keep going. My dad, he's a hustler. He just like work, work, work. Like, just got to work. So it was just like, that's my mentality. I'm a workaholic yeah. because of that. Like, I work, work, work. And it's bad. I'm trying to now back, like, backtrack a bit in the fact that, like, I, work is always going to be there. Bills are always going to be there. But my self-care and my mental, mm-hmm. they will fluctuate and they'll be bad if they're just declining. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you're neglecting them, they're definitely going to, you know, be an issue. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like... Like I said in the beginning, for me, it was just about God. You know, it's just about mm-hmm. pray, 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 pray. You'll be fine. You're being dramatic. Yeah, um, exactly. A lot of times I was made to feel very, like, overly sensitive. Um, yes. Oh, me too. Yeah, overly sensitive. Very, like, you're just spoiled. You just want everybody to hear your opinion. You think you know best, but you're just a child. Like, a lot of, like, belittling, mm-hmm. a lot of you yeah. know just not n- not validating or affirming that my feelings were real and that they were okay so mm-hmm. it took a long time for me to get to a place where i can validate my own feelings and mm-hmm. it's a journey that i'm still going on like that sometimes i'm still looking for validation from other people but through this journey i have learned the only person that needs to validate your feelings is you you know what I mean? Yeah. You're the only ones in your shoes. You're the only one 
experiencing what you're experiencing. So nobody else can tell you what the hell your truth is but you. Mm -hmm. So it's been really empowering to kind of start to shift my perspective a little you know, because yes. I still struggle a little bit. <laughs> I still be like, you know, Mom. who doesn't? Who who doesn't? Right. Are, like, for example, with your dad, it's like you really. I'm like being vulnerable with you. Like I'm telling you, yes. like, I almost took my life, and in response, mm-hmm. you withhold affection. Yes, exactly. You, know? you get mad. You get mad. You, you instead of affection, you give anger and frustration. And that something is wrong with my child. If something's mentally wrong, my child is crazy. You give that. Yeah. Are you are you talking? Are you still going to therapy? Oh yeah, of course, of and course, you, of have course. You guys, have you processed that with your therapist? And if so, like, what does that look like? And I'm only asking because maybe it can help me a little bit because I'm also in a similar situation. Um. So I've been. So I've been talking to my therapist every week i've started to talk to her every two weeks now since i'm progressing more and i'm getting much much better so it's been that so when we talk about the subject of my father and just the traumas that i endure because he's the main reason for most of my traumas mm-hmm. um it's just like i would just think logically on it and then after the fact i talk to my mom about it so i would talk to my therapist about it and see like okay, this happened to me. I'm acknowledging the fact that this happened. It was not okay. It was. It's not okay for a child to go through this. And then after that fact, I would call my mom and be like, okay, mom, I went to therapy. This is what I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So I would talk to her about like my first panic attack. My dad caused my first panic attack. And I was in high, like, it's a whole story in which I was in high school. I was in the high school bathroom. I was, cr- I was crying. I was crying in class. So I just excused myself to the bathroom. And then I started having a panic attack and I texted my best friend. I was like, yo, can you come to the bathroom? I cannot breathe mm. it was just a whole thing and I was just like that wasn't okay because you can't threaten your child yeah. like that and then it was just what a did lot he, what did he threaten you about if you don't want to if you don't mind going into that no I'd be completely vulnerable he basically like threatened to come to my school and just I guess humiliate me in a sense and I was just like oh no I can't let that happen because I was I was in class so he was he was just blowing up my phone and everything and I was just like what's going on and I was just like what and then it was just like all the messages and he was cursing me out and I was just Mm. it was a lot and then that's when my panic attack started and then that's when I would just call my like I was texting my friends like can you come to the bathroom please and then she helped me and it was just like okay calm it was like honestly that was like first period it was like in the morning i was like this is too early for this i was like what's going on you confused like what i do (laughs) exactly but i just processed that and i talked to my mom about it and my mom she feels like it's her fault she allowed certain things to happen to me in my life and i'm just like it's not your fault it was just dealt with a shitty hand of cards and with those cards i'm trying to shift them a bit Mm. i'm trying to like do life on its terms now at this point so i'm just like okay if this comes in i'm not going to be overly anxious or overly sad or overly this or that like i'm thinking more logically i'm like okay this is happening yeah. i'm going to feel not, this way it's okay emotions as much as you used to exactly and, and yeah. i just want to say like i'm super proud of you like being jamaican american being from africa mm-hmm. uh, being mm-hmm. american as well 
it is so challenging to break the generational patterns and the generational curses. So I just want to mm-hmm. applaud you for doing the work. I want to applaud you for reaching out, for getting the help, and for even having the vocabulary to express your feelings so well and mm-hmm. identify with them and know what's happening because I think yeah. you are going to create a movement within your own family for your children mm-hmm. and for the people that witness you living a life in a healthier manner whether they agree mm-hmm. with it or not you are shifting the trend that's been established in your family and that's a huge role to have so I yeah no definitely that. that's awesome yeah, because even my older sister, she asks like, "Oh, can you put me on to your therapist?" And I, they put my brother. He's gonna see his therapist too. Yeah. Like we're, we're, because awesome. they see me doing it, yes. and they're like, "Yeah, I want this. Lead I need example, somebody to talk girl. to." We exactly. Love to see it. Yeah. Changemakers so. in the building. Truth tellers yep. in the building. Black sheep Period. in the building. What's up? Have y'all black sheep? What's up? <laughs> Have y'all black sheep? <laughs> Yeah. Just to close out of our conversation, because I feel like we could go so many different places with this. And I'm so grateful to you, Brittany, for coming on and sharing your story and being so vulnerable. Um, Mm -hmm. I really needed the conversation, honestly, because this situation with my mom is something that has been on my mind a lot. And so you mm-hmm. just sharing about your dad makes me feel less alone. <laughs> more, more yeah, alone. you're not alone. Trust me. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, I did want to give mm-hmm. everyone the definition of self-care. So self-care, by definition in the dictionary, is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. And then the second mm-hmm. definition is the practice of taking on active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during st- uh, periods of stress. So whatever that looks like to you, make sure that you do it often. Whatever it is mm-hmm. that does make your soul smile, that does make your serotonin levels come back up a little bit, that makes you mm-hmm. feel happy and good and things that are centered around your own action, do them and mm-hmm. do them often. And I don't mean drugs, by the way, guys, because <laughs> that can only sustain for so long. Neither can exactly. alcohol, neither can sex mm-hmm. or any of the unhealthy mm-hmm. coping mechanisms that chip away at your soul. We're talking about things yep. that make you grow, that make you happy that make you Mm -hmm. genuinely from within feel full and filled and complete those are the things Mm -hmm. that you need to do and you need to do often do you have anything to add to that Brittany um I would say like when it comes to self-care remember that self-care is what you see it as Mm -hmm. not what other people see it as so if self-care for you is shopping go ahead and buy them shoes girl Mm -hmm. if self-care is like you cooking Cooking is super therapeutic. Do it. If self-care is you cooking, then cook the food that you love the most or bake that bake that pastry you love the most. Like self-care is different for everyone. Yeah. And you also have to remember you cannot find self you cannot find yourself in other people. Absolutely. Wholeheartedly. You cannot find yourself in different friend groups. You cannot Say find yourself in different partners. <laughs> Please, because <laughs> I'm still I'm still learning that now. Yeah. Like as I go, I'm just like people are not there for you. People will use you. Mm. So, and that would chip away at your soul, as you said before. Like certain things will chip away at your soul. That can chip away at your soul as well. So, identify like what is triggering 
you to be so stressed? Is it work? Is it the certain people you hang out with? Is even even if it's your partner, have that conversation and let them know like, okay, maybe this is not going to work, or maybe we should change how we're doing things, oh, or yeah. even if, yeah, come <laughs> cut them off. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta cut them off, snip snip. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all I gotta say on that. Find me on Instagram at black.moon.scape and you can find me on Twitter at golden underscore aster. That is all. And this is your future gynecologist, okay? So Period. So if you need help, you can hit me Get up. In there before she's booked and busy. <laughs> exactly. I hope everybody is staying safe and staying healthy. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Am I Whole Yet? And we will see you guys next week. All right, bye.